All right, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for that reminder. Lord, so much that we encounter on a day-to-day basis is so big, too big for us. And Lord, we need that reminder. Lord, there is nothing too difficult for you. There is no obstacle to your plan and your purposes for this world and for our lives. And so, Lord, we we thank you for the the, the greatness of who you are, that you've revealed yourself to us. And uh, Lord, you are great enough to know everything about us. You are great enough to know everything that we need this morning, each person here, personally and individually. So we pray, Lord, that you would have your way. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill this place, that you would move in power. We ask this in Jesus' great name. Amen. All right, good morning, church. Before you take a seat, let's turn to someone nearby and greet each other and say good morning. All right, well, uh, good morning again, and uh, welcome. I hope it didn't take too long to scrape the ice off of your windshield this morning. Actually, I don't think I had any ice in my windshield, but man, it was cold. Nine degrees when I left the house this morning. I hope it's uh, warmed up a little bit, Um, but uh, it is warm in here, and uh, thank you for coming this morning. If you're here for the first time, a uh, special welcome to you. Very glad that you're here. Hope you feel welcomed and at home in your time with us this morning. Uh, you should have got a bulletin on your way in. It's got some more information about things that are going on uh, in the days and weeks ahead. And there's also a Connect card you can fill out if you'd like to uh, find out ways that you can get further connected. Uh, we'll be happy to, um, to do that. So, uh, so I'm going to just pray again, and we're going to jump right into God's Word this morning. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for today. Uh, Lord, thank you for the gift of a new day, and Lord, for the opportunity this morning to feast on you, on your word, on your truth. Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would do that work in us from the inside out. Lord, that transforming work uh, that that we can't do, but you can. Um, Lord, that we might reflect more of the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We pray in his name. Amen. So in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, Jesus lays out this sort of like 101 guide to how to pray. Um, It's what's come to be known to us today, typically as the Lord's Prayer. Um, Just listen as I read through it. He says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we started out in January by looking line by line through the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we are in the third week 
of a four-week series, and we've put the label on it. The title is Living on a Prayer. And coincidentally, you might or may not know what that means, that um, today we're halfway there. <laughs> Living on a Prayer. Sorry, I had to. You, you might think I've been saving that one up for like centuries, but I thought of it yesterday afternoon as I was riding my bike in the basement. Um, I am a sucker for an 80s song, and um, maybe an apology for that is appropriate because this morning we have come to the line in the Lord's Prayer that addresses the issue of forgiveness and our ongoing need to both receive and extend forgiveness. Give us this day our daily bread. That was last week, and, and Felix did such a brilliant job of walking us through that, and, and it's immediately followed by this next request, forgive us our debts. Um, neither of those, and none of the Lord's Prayer is meant to just be mindlessly recited. They're, they're both of these requests are meant to be mindfully processed, unpacked and worked through before God our Father as we draw near to him in our times of prayer. Give us and forgive us. And believe it or not, the two requests are not as different as they might first seem. You see, both requests address ongoing life needs. So the idea is that it's just as much as we need bread to sustain our lives physically Um, we also need forgiveness to sustain us relationally because God hardwired human beings to live out our lives relationally. That means meaningfully connected to our Father in heaven as well as to each other. And because that's the case, because he's created us that way, forgiveness is foundational because you probably have noticed that we are living in a fallen planet and it is a planet that is filled with fallen people, every single one of us. And because that's the case, relational fracture is an inescapable reality. It's a fact of life. It cannot be avoided. Some of you uh, may have experienced that reality up close and personal this morning when you made your way out the door, right, to, I don't know how often it is that you feel like World War III is on the brink of breaking out in my household on my way to worship, right? Our, our kids are grown, but we don't have that as much, but I do remember those days. Um, it's, it's a reality. Our relationships, both with God and with people, they get fractured. The fractures cannot be avoided, but they can be resolved, And that's what forgiveness is all about. Forgiveness is what allows relationships to get reset when they go sideways. Not if they go sideways, when they go sideways. Forgiveness is this mechanism, this, this gift that God has given us to be a kind of relational reset. And so that's that's why this subject, this issue of forgiveness gets the amount of attention it does in this model prayer, this Lord's prayer that he's laid out for us. Uh, maybe you've noticed how, how short the Lord's prayer is. Do you notice that? It's not a long, it's not a long prayer. It's, it's very succinct, but be that as it may, there is more space given to forgiveness 
than any other subject in this prayer. Nothing else gets near the attention that forgiveness gets. It, it doesn't get mentioned once. It actually gets mentioned twice. In fact, the final words, the last words of the Lord's Prayer is a word about forgiveness. That's how much this matters. And so there's a whole lot we're going to unpack here this morning. But at first glance, I think um, what's crystal clear is this, is that um, we don't treat forgiveness as a non-optional accessory to life. It's not to be treated as a non-optional accessory. What, what we're talking about, what's being presented here in the Lord's Prayer, is, is standard equipment. To Jesus, he sees it as something that's as essential to our lives as bread, as food. And the question is to ask ourselves, how do I see it? Do I see it as essential, or is it just sort of, eh, maybe optional, so what? See, when you go without food for an extended period of time, the outcome is pretty obvious, right? Skip a meal or two, and it won't be long before your stomach starts letting you know, right? It's going to start growling. It's going to howl. You're going to feel those pangs of hunger. After a while, you'll start getting weak or, or lightheaded, and eventually you end up not only hungry, you end up hangry, right? Hungry and angry, they kind of mesh together. I know some of us are fasting. Uh, we're in the, coming up on the last week of, of our 21 days of fasting. So, so I hope if you are fasting, you're hungry, but not hangry. And if you're hangry and you know it, then your face will surely show it. So we know. Um, but, uh, but, but unless you're fasting... You, you kind of know what to do when you get hungry, right? It's like there's a signal, you know how to respond. Resolving the hunger issue is not a major mystery, at least not here in America, right? You, you kind of like grab a Pop-Tart, you know, you throw it in the toaster, you thank God for this blessed Pop-Tart, and then you eat it. Problem solved. But, but how about when we skip over forgiveness, what happens when the words, I'm sorry, or please forgive me, when they stop showing up in our relational vocabulary, when for whatever reason, our relationships stop getting reset? And the two main reasons, by the way, we're not getting into it too much, is pride and shame. Those are the two reasons that relationships don't get reset. But when that happens, we get hungry relationally, and we get hangry relationally. And you know what that feels like? You know how, how that manifests itself in our lives is loneliness, isolation, disconnection. We start drifting apart from being meaningly, meaningfully connected to God and to others. But here's the thing. Um, when that relational hunger hits, we can choose to do one of two things. We can, first of all, we can like take stock of our relationships and, and prayerfully process where do they need to be reset and then take appropriate action. That's what the Lord's Prayer here is modeling for us and instructing us to do, but there's other options as well. 
We can turn on TV and binge watch Netflix. We can turn on our computer and scroll through social media. We can go shopping, pull up some porn on the internet. There's an endless array of false intimacy options to choose from. And they do temporarily subside that relational hunger, but none of them resolve it. See, this is the reality that we're being faced with, is that there are no options, there are no alternative, there are no substitutes. Forgiveness is our one and only relational reset. So, so here's the first take-home of the morning. I hope there'll be more, but if nothing else, here's one. If and when you ever find yourself just feeling isolated, alone, separated, longing for deeper, more meaningful connections with others, just think about this. Consider just taking stock of the unresolved fractures in your life. And maybe ask yourself, when is the last time I asked for or I extended forgiveness to those around me? When did the words, I am sorry, last come out of my mouth? Or what I did was wrong, I hurt you, please forgive me. Or what you said hurt me, and I forgive you. These are non-optional. These are essentials to life. The Lord's Prayer addresses this issue of forgiveness, not in a transactional way, but in a relational way, right? This is about this prayer conversation uh, between a heavenly father and his child. And so we're going to try to approach it that way, not transactionally, but relationally. And what we see here is that Jesus attaches strings to forgiveness. Maybe you noticed that. My relationship with him and my relationship with you, both of them get tied up and bundled together in this knot, this I would call it a divine knot, a God-created knot, and it's not the kind of knot that you like tie your shoelaces with where you, like a slip knot, you pull one side and it comes apart. It's not even a double knot. This knot that God has tied between the vertical, our relationship with God, and the horizontal, our relationships with each other, it cannot be undone. Forgiveness is fused. We're only called to ask for our Father's forgiveness to the extent that we're extending forgiveness to our brothers and our sisters and those he's placed in our lives. And Jesus talks about this twice. The first mention, I think it's kind of low-key. It's kind of first level. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so, okay, I get that. You know, the idea is that forgiveness is designed to operate in tandem, right, with, with God's forgiveness and our forgiveness. And you might hear that and, and say, of course, I get that, Jesus. I'm on board. That is the norm, and I'm plenty willing to do that. But there must be exceptions. And the person that's wronged me must be the exception. This guy is a piece of work. He is so exceptionally difficult. So there there must be an alternative to forgiving someone like him. Doesn't apply to blockheads, right? Forgive those, their debts, unless they're blockheads. 
I think Jesus had a hunch that we might respond that way. Or maybe he has a hunch that we're all blockheads. <laughs> there are no exceptions. So, so he circles back and he hits the issue again at the end of this teaching on prayer. And, and, and he's like, he's being crystal clear. He's spelling it out for you. It's almost like he's saying, read my lips. Let's, listen, listen to how he closes the Lord's Prayer, his instruction. He says this, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know, that's, that's the punctuation that ends the Lord's Prayer. And I don't have to tell you, this is it's not a period. It's an exclamation point. And so if you hear that and it, it shakes you, if it rattles you, please understand that that's what Jesus intended. He wants that to shake us up. He wants to make a point. And the point is that the vertical and the horizontal are fused. They're tied. They're knotted together, designed to work together. Our Heavenly Father's forgiveness is what you would call efficacious. It means it's, it's powerful. It's transformative in our lives. It will work its way out in the way we relate to each other. It must. It's how it works. Our Father's forgiveness, it doesn't just flow to us, it flows through us, and it's meant to overflow and spill out from us onto those around us. The idea is when that's not happening, when it's not having that effect, that means there's something is stuck in the flow. And so take it as a warning signal that the lights are flashing on the dashboard of our hearts. And so that's a signal to pop open the hood, to check out what's going on in there, and find out where the clog is and clear it out. That's the call. And so the question is, how do, how do we do that? It starts by going back to the source. It starts by fathoming the Father's forgiveness. That's, that's kind of how Jesus calls us to frame this whole forgiveness thing. The lesser in light of the greater. God's forgiveness is always greater. Our forgiveness is always lesser. And so we have to go back and fathom how many times and how much our Heavenly Father forgives us. He describes it here in terms of debts. Did you notice that? Debts. And, and, and isn't this the place when, you know, when you're reciting the Lord's Prayer in a public setting? Like if I told us all to stand up and, all right, let's recite the Lord's Prayer together. We get to this place and you never know what word to use, right? And so people start mumbling here. Forgive us our uh, trespasses, sins. Which is it, right? There's a lot of different variations and and so that, that becomes a point of confusion, and there is an answer to it, and the answer is, it depends. <laughs> uh, you like that answer? Um, it depends on whether we're reading from Matthew's gospel or Luke's gospel. And so the idea is to remember, first of all, that Jesus, when he originally taught this, he taught in Aramaic, okay? 
but the Gospels are written in Greek. And so there's going to be a little bit of translation going on about between what Jesus taught and what gets written down. So Matthew, which is what we've been looking at through the Lord's Prayer, his version of it, he never uses the word sin. He writes, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then at the close, he says, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you your trespasses. Trespasses, debts. In Luke's version, he, he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive others their debts. And so there's this distinction that, that God forgives us our sins and we forgive others their debts. That's an interesting way to view it. Um, you know, on the vertical with God, it's a sin issue. On, on the horizontal with each other, it's, it's more of a debt issue. Uh, all three terms, whether it's sins, debts, or, or trespasses, they're, they're all different ways of stating the same thing, right? These, these are the things that get in the way. These are the things that separate, that fracture relationships. But having said that, there, there are also nuances to each term that might be insightful, that might be worth exploring when it comes to resolving uh, conflicts and, and, and giving forgiveness. So let me, let me say that sometimes it can be helpful to see that there are other labels to attach to fractures other than sin. Um, the definition of sin, uh, the, the literal Greek translation is to fall short, to fall short of God's standard. And, 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 and the, the traditional image is of shooting at a target and missing the mark. And so that way of framing something is very cut and dry. You're either hit it or you miss. You're either right or you're wrong. And that is a way of framing fractures, but it's not the only way. Right? There's, there's other ways to talk about it. And especially when it comes to forgiving each other, that can be helpful. You could talk about debts. We can, we can talk about trespasses. And, and so let, let me just say this, that this prayer shows us that we can do that without being accused of, this is what typically happens. That pastor didn't use the word sin. They don't take sin seriously at this church. You know, this is one of those typical things that people accuse churches of doing. If you think that's the case, then you got to take that one up with Jesus because he's the one who wrote this prayer. He gave it to us and he uses it. And, and what I'm getting at, why, when, when, when we only frame fractures as cut and dry sin issues, it becomes about right and wrong. And when that happens, I probably don't have to tell you conflict turns into a court case, right? Have you ever been there, right? We get stuck there trying to vindicate ourselves to prove to the other party that we're innocent of all charges that have been brought against us. Now, of course, this is purely hypothetical. I am not at all speaking from anything in my own personal experience. Well, maybe I am. Um, But it often sounds something like this. I didn't do that. That's not what I meant. I have nothing to apologize 
You should be the one who's apologizing. Again, purely hypothetical. (laughs) But did you ever catch yourself saying, I am sorry for how you feel. I am sorry you took it that way. You know what that means? Like, let me translate that for you, just in case you're as dense as I am at times. That means you're the problem, not me. And that is not what we're talking about when it comes to extending forgiveness. That is not asking for forgiveness. That is projecting something. So take it from me, um, a hint to all the husbands in the house here this morning. Do not say that. It will not go well. And if you've ever been stuck in a place like that, you, you know how... Do you know how absurd things can get? Like they just circle around and you're just exhausting and, and, and things it hardly ever resolves anything. It just makes you kind of the distance grow. Um, so maybe it's helpful. Maybe it's worth considering how else can I frame this conflict, this challenge, that, this fracture that needs to be resolved. Maybe, maybe in terms of debts or maybe trespasses, maybe... Maybe ask a question instead of making an accusation or trying to vindicate ourselves. Like, did I take something? Was I out of line? That's kind of what a transgression, I'm sorry, trespass is. Trespass is going beyond a line. And and here's the thing. If, If I say the right thing in the wrong way, I'm out of line. Um in a way that dishonors that person, that, 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 that does not uphold the dignity that there, this is someone who is made in the image of God. That needs to be reflected. That matters, and it fractures. And when that happens, asking for forgiveness is the right, is, is the right response. And one of the very long lessons that I've learned uh, the hard way is that I have a blind spot, and it's my tone. Like, I can say something, and my face and the way that I project my voice communicates something completely different, and honestly, I don't see it. And, and for years, I would just say, you know, it's not my tone, it's not my, like, it's not, it's not my problem, um, and how much quicker can relationships get reset by just saying, I'm sorry, that's not my intention. Or sometimes it was my intention, you know, because I just had a bad attitude and what I said hurt you. Because isn't that what matters? Like we're talking about relationships, right? Identifying the, fr- the fractures and, and resetting the relationship, not adjudicating a court case and trying to prove that I'm right and, and you're wrong. And, and sometimes healing can happen. So much healing can happen with just, I'm sorry. Um, all right, so to sin is to fall short. To, to be in debt is to owe someone else something. To be a hold of something that's not mine. To, to trespass is to step across the boundary line. To, to be out of line in a place that I don't have permission to go. And so here's the reality. That when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father, all three 
apply to us. All three are accurate descriptions of what I have done that have caused the fractures in my relationship with him. And unlike the fractures between my relationship with you, when it comes to my relationship with my perfect heavenly father, there's only one party that's at fault. They all fall on me. And that applies, of course, to all of us. These are, these are all the wrongs that all of us have done against our heavenly father. We, we, we did it yesterday. We're doing it today. And you know what? It's very likely we're going to wake up tomorrow and do it again. We're going to sin against him. Uh, we're going to be in debt to him. We're going to transgress and trespass against him. And here's the thing. Every single time we go to our father in prayer and say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me my debts. He does. Our heavenly father never says, I'll forgive this sin, son, but not that one. He never says, I'll forgive this much, but that's it. No more. He never says, you have maxed out your allowance. I have no forgiveness left for you. Fathom the Father's forgiveness. Every time we ask, he cancels the debt. Every time he clears the balance sheet, this is what you owe, it's gone. And that gets us to the very heart of God, the heart of the gospel. Forgiveness is the reason Jesus came. Forgiveness is what the cross is all about. We turned from the God who created us. He created us to do life with him, and we chose to go our own way, to do our own thing. Thank you, God, but I got my own plan. I don't need you anymore. And we fractured that relationship with our creator. And as a result, we've become hopelessly disconnected and isolated from the God who loved us. That's when God sent his son, Jesus, And Jesus took all our sin, all our debts, all our trespasses and went to the cross and died for them. See, that's how much it costs for our father to say, you're forgiven. That's what it took to restore that fractured relationship with our heavenly father. On the cross, Jesus did everything that needed to be done so we could be forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says this, This is the reason Jesus came to forgive, that in Christ, it says, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's pretty much a really good definition of forgiveness, not counting another's trespasses against them. Instead of counting our wrongs against us, he counted our wrongs against Jesus. God transferred our trespasses to Christ. And because he did, Ephesians 1.7 is true. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. So that means something amazing. It means that past, present, future, forgiven is our identity in Christ. That's what we get when we put on Jesus because of what he's done. This forgiveness that the Father freely offers to us costs Jesus everything. 
And that's the reason why we can confidently turn to 1 John 1, 9 and claim it as a promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're called to confess our sins. Confession is an activity. It is the activity God is, that Jesus is calling us to in this prayer. To confess, it simply means to agree with. Here's where I missed. You know, it's, confession is the place where rationalizing stops, where justifying dies, where the excuses just get burnt away. Lord, I went wrong. And it's worth noting that confession is not compensating. Oftentimes, people try to resolve the fractures by compensating. Well, I did this wrong there, but then look what I did here. Am I good with you yet? That's not how it works. No one is ever made right by compensating. It's confession. Simply agreeing for where we've missed the mark. And confession is also something we're called to do, not only with our Father in heaven, there is a place where we're called to confess to each other as well. James 4, 16 talks about it. It says, confess your sins one to another. Why? Not that we may be forgiven our sins, but it says, look, that you may be healed. It's a beautiful thing. That's that that word for healing. Don't just think like, you know, oh, I was crippled and now I can, you know, run and jump and do... The, the, the word is, is restoration. The word is wholeness. And so, yeah, it includes the physical, but it goes beyond that. It encompasses the whole person. There's a connection between having wholeness, being well, and getting real with a few other people. Confession opens the door to forgiveness, and forgiveness opens the door to healing. And again, that's a non-optional for life. You know, there's no shortage of medical studies, right? I could cite them. I won't do that this morning. That talk about the toll that unforgiveness takes on our lives. You've probably heard the phrase already. You know, withholding forgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Through Jesus, God forgave us. He no longer holds our wrongs against us. And what he does for us, that fuels and empowers us to do for others. To no longer hold their wrongs against them. Now, forgiving doesn't just automatically and always reset every relationship. I wish it would. Uh, It would be great if it did, but that's not always the way it works. Forgiveness, we said, is really what it is. It's releasing the right to retaliate. It's resolving to no longer hold something against someone, to not punish them for what, for what they've done. Reconciliation is a step past that, and that can happen, but there's also times where that just requires some time and space, and there's also times when it's just not possible. And, and so it's worth noting that forgiveness does not come with an obligation that I must open myself up to someone who's dangerous, to an abusive situation. Um, It doesn't mean that if someone has done something wrong, criminal, unlawful, 
that that person is no longer liable to the authorities. And one other important thing is sometimes we just put this huge burden on forgiveness that to forgive is to forget. It's not. I'm not going to say anything more about it. I would love if that were the case, and I think God can do that. But if that's the expectation, then forgiveness is always going to seem like just something that we're just, it's always out of reach. But the first step is always fathoming the forgiveness of our Heavenly Father that He's pouring out on us. The one who matters the most, the relationship that we fractured the most, He is the one who forgives the best. And so let that forgiveness flow and, and let it overflow. I, I've tried in a very practical way to live this out in my life and the extent that if I go to the grocery store and, you know, and we live right here in Carmel, so we're local church, local here, and I don't ever want to be in the grocery store, see somebody down the aisle and say, oh, I'm skipping. Um, <laughs> There's times when I do want to do that, but that's the trigger. That's the trigger that something is off. Something needs to be dealt with, and something needs to be changed. Maybe there's, maybe there's someone that the Holy Spirit has put on your mind already. You know who it is. You know what the situation is, and you know something has to be done. There is no hope of growing, lasting, meaningful relationships apart from growing in our capacity to ask for and extend forgiveness. The connection between our capacity for forgiveness and cultivating meaningful connection or relationships, it's real. And maybe for whatever reason, it's something you've just, you've just put on the back burner for way too long. I would just challenge you today to follow where the Holy Spirit is leading you and to take the next step forward.